I'm Sinead O'Moore and you're listening to Every Mum the Podcast. Every Mum the Podcast was created for one reason, to get honest about parenthood, about the realities, the joys, the surprises and the fears, the moments that form us and the ones we don't hear people talk enough about, which is why we are so proud to partner with Water Wipes as our sponsor for this season, as they share this mission with us and are such an essential brand for every mum. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes containing just two ingredients, 99.9% water and just a drop of fruit extract, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water. During the early days as a parent, everything is uncertain. But choosing the right wipes shouldn't be a worry. With no artificial fragrance, soap, silicones or colours, Water wipes are suitable for newborn, sensitive, and even premature skin. Together, we are committed to providing more reassurance for parents with trusted products and this podcast, helping us all take those important steps towards greater confidence while building a community of support for every mum. It's normal for anxiety to rise and fall in all of us as we go through our lives. But what's important is that we learn how to turn it into a force for good instead of something that holds us back, knocks us off balance, or impacts our overall health. In this episode, I'm joined by Lisa Murren, co-founder of Ethos Cafes, a mom of three little boys under three, and a woman who understands why finding her own personal health balance enables her to achieve her goals, fulfill her needs, and raise her gorgeous family. We talk about how she cared for herself following the birth of her twin boys in 2017, how she recognized feelings of postnatal depression and sought the help she needed. Her baby boy number three was very much planned despite her journey back to emotional and mental well-being. And how as a business owner in COVID, this time has taught her to appreciate her health balance even more. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on Every Mum the Podcast. Um, I'm so happy to have you here because every single day I seem to, you know, look out at the weather, look on Instagram, see you running the coast, see you in for a swim, see you coming home to your three little men, see you striving to make you know, the absolute best of your amazing businesses in a particularly challenging time. And you inspire so many to really live that healthy balance. I want to know from you, like what, what is a healthy balance to you? First of all, thank you very much, Nate, for having me on. I feel like it's a bit of imposter syndrome going on. I'm like sitting here going, how am I even <laughs> talking to you? But thank you so much for having me on. Um, and it's, it's so nice to finally get to chat to you and everything. So yeah, I suppose the health balance, um, probably like five or six years ago, I came to a point in my life where I suppose over the years, you get so much misinformation on what you should be eating or shouldn't be eating, what exercise you should be doing, how many times a week you should be doing this, what you should be doing, uh, how many steps a day, every single element of your life just completely managed. And like, I was kind of going, this is mind boggling. And I have an interest in this because I studied nutrition um, as part of my culinary arts course. So I have a little bit of understanding, but how mind boggling it must be for people who don't know anything and they're listening to everyone and anyone because they want advice and everything 
And I just was kind of like, I, I remember I was putting up lots of food on my Instagram at that point, And loads of people were like, oh, I love all you, because it was very food focused at that time before you have children, you know, <laughs> then they take over. But uh, people were like, I love watching all of your food and how you managed to do this. And then I started like, uh, I, I had um, an ulcer in my stomach when I was uh, 16. Um, I, I like, I was in and out of uh, appointments all of the time. And I knew there was something in my stomach and the doctor is saying to me, um, you're, uh, he said, no, I don't believe you've got anything wrong with you. And I was going, no, 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 there's something going on in my stomach. Like I don't feel right. And all of this. So anyway, I went for all the tests, uh, colonoscopy, endoscopy and went in and they found a huge ulcer, um, on my, uh, intestine and half of my intestine had completely eroded away. And now I'm 18, I think I was about 17 at this point, uh, when they found the ulcer. So young. Uh, so young. Um, and he, uh, he couldn't believe it. And he was like, God. So at that point at 17, you're not really focused on what you're eating, what you're, you know, as much, unless you're doing sports and everything in school mm -hmm. and you're on a specific team. And I knew, okay, so I did all my study myself. I started looking up how, you know, to start like getting my gut back into a really good place. And so I completely over did an overhaul on my, the food that I was eating. And, um, I cut out lots of the, like, high intolerance foods just for a period of time just to strip my body and then I've introduced everything back in again now um, and I just kind of realized once I, I started doing that I was like I feel amazing the food I'm fueling my body with this really good food I started moving my body more and more every day and as I started doing my Instagram I was putting up I, I did culinary arts in college, so I was cooking all of the time. Love just simple, easy food that's quick to do and um, with fresh ingredients. And then I was kind of like, yeah, well, what about the health balance? And I, so that was about maybe seven years ago I did that because I think everybody's health balance is different. So my health balance is focused hugely on um, food, exercise, mental health, um, mindfulness uh, to a point when I can do it and self-care while somebody else's health balance is completely different but it's about finding your health balance and what works for you and kind of that's just what I've gone with, gone with. and it's funny because over the years I've, I've kind of thought to myself you know the health balance like should I just use my name on Instagram but then lots of people say no I actually love what, what, the way you say the health balance because you show your version, but my version is different. And that shows that we're all different, but kind of that's just really where it came from. And I've stuck with, stuck with it. So you'll see where it takes us. My health balance without a doubt has free fall since <laughs> becoming a mother um, and fallen, fallen, fallen too far down that list until at some point, you know, you start a problem will arise or you're just you're at a point of just pure fatigue mm -hmm. that you recognize it in yourself and say oh my god how did I let it go this far you have three little boys under three mm -hmm. I've only one girl and I'm and I'm admitting that I do not take care of my health balance in the way that it should be looked after and for anybody that does follow you you know you you do self-motivate to make sure that you, you get up and you move and you exercise and you fill as much of your day with that health balance while all the aspects of motherhood are, motherhood are there, all the aspects of your businesses are there. 
How did, did you go through that phase of decline or, or was it a very conscious day one decision that, okay, the twins are here, but this has to stay a priority? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, so with the boys, um, I suppose, again, you know, before you, when you're pregnant, you don't know what becoming a mother is, but you think you might know, but you don't know until you're, so you've all of these ideas in your head. And um, I was very lucky with the twins that it was a very healthy pregnancy. And I was able to train right up until kind of 31, 32 weeks as normal. Um, but I went into kind of early labor signs. So I was, they just said, look, just stop exercising, but you can still try move your body. So I kept it up to that point and then I knew obviously you're about I had a little plan in my head but again I knew like you're about to have twins like you know how is this going to work but it was always on the top of my mind so I knew um when I had the twins you were going to have a six-week postpartum period where you really and, and I and I wanted to be kind to my body as well like we had just birthed the twins and I didn't have a cesarean section which I was I was glad that I was able to move around a little bit more freely because obviously having two babies to look after was a lot but it was something that I kind of said to myself now Lisa um you know that you're going in to be induced on this day with the twins so um a week after that no matter what is going on in your life you're going to book your nails in so I had my nails booked in a few days after I had the twins because I was like, this will make me feel normal and it'll mind my mind. And you're going to book your lashes in because you love that. So I had all these appointments. I think people were going, you're mad. And then I was like, and I'm going to go for, and I remember two days after I had the boys, I said to Dave, um, do you mind if I go for a little walk on my own? And I, I wasn't in a bad way or anything. I just said, do you mind if I go for a walk? And he was like, absolutely no. Like, so I went out half an hour, came back brand new and I knew okay, Lisa, you need to keep this up if you want to be able to look after these two little babies that are looking up at you and need you all day long. And I definitely fueled my body massively with food. I used food as fuel at that time. And I, I really was, I was careful around that. And I kept, I kept that approach um, with Luca when I was pregnant with Luca as well. But, you know, there is ups and downs to everything as you like as you get a routine and I am routine 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 like I am I don't take chances in anything I do <laughs> like people always say to me that I look like I have everything so together but I'm mm -hmm. like hypocrites because I don't take chances I don't I, I I might look like that but I don't like just say oh we'll just see what happens today I am like no, 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 this is what's going to happen today. <laughs> Let's look at the Excel spreadsheet of what's <laughs> yeah. going to happen today. And that works for me, especially with the boys being so young. And um, so that, like, that's definitely one element of mind and of how I minded myself throughout the whole thing. And as well with Dave was one of the biggest things, I think, when you have children, one child, two children, three, four, whatever, is um, your partner, obviously, is a big part of that and uh one of the biggest things for myself and dave and a massive realization because dave was 26 and i was 28 having the twins um but we kind of said we've made this decision okay we didn't make a decision to have twins but we've been <laughs> lucky enough to have twins so we need to learn and we were always very good communicators but we need to learn to communicate better than we ever did before and so to now even every day if myself and Dave are together with the boys all day or Dave is in work or not, we have a quick five minutes every morning and I kind of say, okay, this is the plan for today. This is what today looks like. So you're here in work. I'm here at this time. When we come home, could you do 
X, Y, and Z, and I'll do X, Y, and Z. And then we leave nothing to chance. And then we leave no, nothing open to miscommunication because that's where we faltered in the past. And that's where I noticed that this, I, because I thought Dave was a mind reader, like are men not mind readers? Like, do they not know what's going on in our heads? <laughs> and I found that that has probably been because the person that you're living with is spending the whole time with you. They are seeing your ups and your very low downs. And I, I, I learned from day one. And so now it's literally like we plan the day. We say, this is what you're doing, Dave, as in dinner, get the pajamas from upstairs, feed the dogs. And I will do uh, bed. I will do this and this. And then when we do that, nothing is left to surprise. Dave hasn't let me down, even though he's, he wasn't going to let me down because he didn't know I, he, all of those things need to be done. And that has eliminated so much friction and, you know, unnecessary um, unease in the house. So that's one of the big things that I have actually learned that's minded my mind way more than I thought that that would ever. But communication with Dave has been such an important thing, especially with three boys. It's this underlying resentment that kind of brews and um, it, 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 and then something very minor can kick off, especially in those early months where you're both really fatigued. Yeah. You know, you're not getting any sleep. You feel like you've sacrificed and given up so much of your old life that used to fill you back up. Completely. And yeah, I taught all of that really resonant <laughs> and I didn't do it. I didn't do it for months would go by and you kind of assume this martyrdom, but mm -hmm. you're so angry. Yeah. But yet you haven't. And I remember my husband constantly kind of say to me like, but like, tell me what I can do. Yeah. That used to rile me up. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, why do you live, do you live here? <laughs> I know it's the exact same. And you know, it's, it's, it's actually, it's such an, an important, and it is that like, I suppose with the boys, I didn't know what was about to come. So probably so much resentment did build up between us without even realizing it. Yeah. And then I had got postnatal depression with the boys. And that must have been very hard for Dave to navigate through as well because he was trying to be there for me. But we also had twin boys that were only months old that needed to be looked after all day long. So with two babies, obviously you need four hands. You, you, you know, and it's so it was just it was such a back and forth all of the time of you know, guessing. So with Luca, it was just we we were like, this is what we're gonna do. Let's make a plan. We're making this decision together to have another baby and we want another baby so badly. And so like literally something as simple as I would uh, go to bed and I was doing the feeds in the night. And I said to Dave, there is no point of both of us being awake. And I know some couples prefer doing, okay, I'll do the feeding, you do the birthing and change the nappy. But for mm -hmm. me, that didn't make logical sense. So in my mind, I said, I will do the nighttime, no problem. But at six o'clock in the morning, you, you have your full night's sleep. Can you just get up, go downstairs, make me a coffee and make a breakfast? So he'd come up then with breakfast and coffee every morning with my vitamins and everything. And I really felt like I was very grateful for that. And I felt like he was acknowledging that I had just done the feeds in the night. And then he'd take Luca away for a couple of hours and I'd sleep for an hour or two. And then we'd start the day again. And I felt like, okay, he understands what I'm doing for our family. And he's appreciates that. And that's kind of what we did. I remember there was one morning he forgot. And I like, he still, to this day, I... He's still I, here, is he? Yeah, he's just about. But, <laughs> but he didn't realize. He was like, I, I, I actually didn't realize that the coffee was 
that big of a deal. I was like, how do you not know that coffee is that big of a deal? <laughs> it's so familiar. I just, yeah, and I've... I have four months left to retrain each other in how to do it right this time. But I was the same as you. I really felt like two tired humans is, is not worth it. So like, you know, I was, I was, I was breastfeeding through the night. So I was like, it's on me anyway. Yeah. Don't wake up and hover around me as though you're some assistance. You're not like you go and sleep. But when, when that sun rises, mm-hmm. it's on you. You know, yeah. you're, you're it for the day. Yeah. I need you to think for both of us. A hundred percent. And I think like learning that and it, like then Dave actually knew his place as well, like knew where he fit in the whole thing. Because especially when you're breastfeeding, um, I breastfed the boys and I breastfed Luca and obviously breastfeeding twins. Then I started to exclusively pump because, uh, it, it was a, it was allowing me to sleep a little bit more, but I exclusively pumped for six months, which allowed then Dave to, but he then had a place in, okay, I was able to put the milk into the bottles. Dave was able to feed one of them or burp them. But then I think when, especially if it's one baby and one baby is the norm for most people is there is no point in two people in your house feeling flummoxed. Mm. and dead and it, like it really helps when you know what prior what what well I prioritize things each day with our family and work and everything what needs to be done and what like simple things like the bath the boys you know that's has to be done today or whatever and doing that helps because then if I'm having a bad day which I do and if I'm having a low day or if I'm having a really tired day I can say to Dave Dave today is not a good day for me and he'll go no problem at all I've got I've got bedtime tonight you go to bed or you go upstairs and chill and I can do the same with him and so that is a massive has been a massive learning but it's been probably one of the most important things to our relationship today so yeah tell me about the postnatal depression tell me about what were the signs for you that made you realize this is more than just tiredness or or hormonal changes yeah, so um, I have always suffered with panic and anxiety attacks uh, throughout my life since I was very small, um, and I probably I, I've I've spoken about openly on um, Instagram about my panic and anxiety and stuff like that, but I've never really delved into it. Um, but when I was uh, when I was two and a half, um, my little brother died of cot death. Um, and it's funny that we're doing this today, but today is his 30 year anniversary of, of when he passed oh, away. Dear. And I found him when I was two and a half. So I found I was the first person. And um, it's very funny in life. I've never spoken about this. The only people I speak to it about it is Dave and my, my mum and dad. Um, but as you grow older, uh, obviously um, a traumatic experience like that can have a massive effect. Now it took me years to realize what it was as to why I suffered with this anxiety or pang always growing up as a teenager, why I had my ulcer. Because when we found out everything was all to do with my gut, that stress, that worry, that's why I had an ulcer. So I eventually, I went, I started, I did start to go to therapy when I was about 20 or 21 because I, I didn't like how I was feeling and I needed to get it out. I needed to make some sense of it. So through ther- therapy, we, we came to we spoke about Lawrence. We spoke openly about everything that happened. I told him everything I remembered. I'd never really spoken openly to my parents about it. Um, 
but there was so much that I remembered so vividly. So one of the big steps in that was to have a chat with my parents and tell them what I remembered as a child. And I remember absolutely everything. And they were so surprised. I remember uh, my mom's scream when I told her because at two and a half, I thought before I had kids, there's no way at two and a half, I could remember that. Now I look at the boys at two and a half and I say, oh, they remember, they, they look how like clued in they are to everything that we do on our day to day. So that made me, that helped me understand. And um, I spoke to my mom and dad, I said, but I remember the coffin. I remember the church. I remember a priest coming into the room and my mom and dad were gone. Oh my God. So all of that, 22 years or 20 years of carrying that, that obviously that's where I came from panic. And we have lost a lot of people in my family as well, my close family throughout the years. And I know that my fear and anxiety comes from loss, losing people and the fear of just that we're not going to be here one day and Dave won't be here and the boys won't be here. And it's a really real fear. And uh, so when I got pregnant, obviously that I thought that it was going to heighten massively because all of a sudden now I've got these two babies in my tummy that I need to protect. But I actually flew through pregnancy with no anxiety at all. And then I had the boys. Um, I, as I said, I pumped for them for six months. So breastfeeding was, I, I had a brilliant experience with that. And I was living on a high for those six months, like living on a high for those six months. But literally to the day I stopped breastfeeding them, everything and 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 I had done like I had uh, I did everything very slowly to stop I didn't do anything suddenly um but the hormone crash was something that I I I wasn't prepared for and uh, I felt really 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 bad but I thought you know what maybe you're just going through a bit of a, an anxious time that's okay and then I started because I had been back in work like at like two or three months I didn't take a maternity leave with the boys I was back in at meetings and back in doing like you know project work and stuff that needed to be done as you do with the family business and that's completely fine that was with my decision um but I knew something wasn't right because I started to not want to I started getting panicked about seeing people um everything felt bigger than me I I felt low like I've never felt low before I just felt flat I couldn't swallow I couldn't breathe not that I didn't want to I loved the boys beyond it but I all I could remember is that I couldn't feel the love so I knew that I loved them but I was like there's two babies sitting here in front of me looking up at me they're amazing but I couldn't feel what my heart was feeling but my head knew that I loved them and everything and I knew my heart did I just couldn't feel it so I just said that's it and I went to the I went to the doctor um, and uh, straight away, of course, you're sitting there for an hour, bawling your eyes out in front of a doctor and telling her everything. So she did diagnose me pretty quickly with that postnatal depression. And um, you just, I think it is completely different, uh, like from somebody who has suffered from anxiety growing up, the feeling of postnatal depression is different, is, is very, very different. And um, it was a feeling that I, I never felt, I never thought that I was going to see the light of day again. And I remember at that time, I kind of had to have a chat with my family and work and just say, I can't, I can't be present right now because I can't even be present at home right now. I just need to be present for me right now because I need to figure out my head and how, how was I going to navigate through this? And I literally... Um, 
I was, uh, the doctor did offer me a prescription for post or for antidepressants. But at the time I just, I felt like I can kind of get through this. I can do this. I can, I'm sure if I look at, um, meditation maybe, and, uh, you know, uh, nature and stuff like that. Let's see if that helps anymore. So I really, at that time, I really, really, really upped a notch of everything of getting out into, even if it was lash and rain, getting out into nature every single day, looking at the trees, because that's what I was, I kept getting into this. Everything is bigger than me in my head. But then when I was actually standing in a park, just going, everything is bigger than you, Lisa, and that's okay. Those trees are bigger than you, but that's okay. And so that's kind of where, and I did this, I'd say, for about three months, I'd say my step count those days were, were about 40,000 steps a day. <laughs> and I used to just go walking with the boys for hours uh, every day. And eventually I started to feel better. Um, and I know postnatal depression lasts for different lengths of time. For me, it was there really, really bad for about six or seven months. And I started to come out of that again. But at the same time, I fell pregnant with Luca. And I... And this is the thing as mums, like I was going through all of that, but Luca was fully planned. I sat with Dave saying, yeah, let's go again. And you forget. Did Dave not stop and say, hang on, you, you know, know you haven't come out of one, one phase of postnatal depression. Yeah. How, were you afraid of how a second pregnancy might amplify that? I wasn't even, and I don't know how I wasn't. I, I think myself and Dave are really kind of uh, in for a penny, in for a pound kind of couple. <laughs> and the boys were only 13 months when we decided to get pregnant with Luca again. And it's funny because everybody thinks, oh no, this, like he was definitely, he wasn't planned. And I was like, <laughs> oh no, he was planned. Like I got the coil in after yeah. we had the boys. I organized everything, had it like, I don't, I, as I said, I, everything has a plan. And so again, when I got pregnant with Luca, I, maybe pregnancy just agrees with me and my hormones in that way. It just went away, yeah. you know, and I didn't have it. And I'm very lucky. I haven't had it. Um, I haven't had that dip in Luca's now 13 months old. So I haven't experienced it this now. I'm still breastfeeding him, but a lot less milk, obviously, because he's eating solid. So I hope that when I do eventually stop that, I don't get that drop again. But at least I know I will know, I think, how to handle it a little bit better. I did go back to therapy and everything in the last year and acupuncture I did to try just, I put all the plans in place that if this happens, this is what I can do to try give myself the best chance. So that's kind of what I did. When I was weaning my daughter, I, like you, felt huge hormonal shifts that I wasn't prepared for. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand. Um, and yeah, I remember like for the first, definitely for the first four or six months, feeling on top of the world like the happiest I had ever felt elation and energy and feeling like, I don't know what everybody's kind of this whole postpartum thing. This is fab. This is brilliant. And returning to work, starting childcare, weaning off the frequency of, you know, of um, consistent breast milk, and it was like falling off a cliff of emotion. And I looked into it a bit, you know, well, I'm, I'm a researcher by nature in a, what, there must be a solution and an answer to this and I'm going to find it. Um, and what really helped me 
was appreciating and understanding that my body thought that I had suffered a loss. By ending the breastfeeding, you're, you're still set up as though you're in the cave. <laughs> and it thinks, my baby, if it's not feeding from me, must not be here because there's no alternative. And it triggers feelings in you that that loss actually has occurred. So your mind, as you said, like your mind was like, but my two babies are here. My two babies are here and I love them. But your heart is feeling like, where are they? That's mad. It's so mad. And it did exactly it. Like, and it really helped me because I kind of began to realize this is my body's response to what it doesn't like. My body doesn't know we live in 2020. My body doesn't know that I can pop down to Tesco. My body, my body thinks that like hormones built her from that cell in day one. And it thinks that my body should still be feeding her. And that helped in a sense, made me rationalize, okay, I'm not going mad (laughs) or like, this is actually just what nature is doing. And nature is what, like you said, nature was what put me back together, feeling sunshine, feeling water, feeling movement, feeling life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it passed. Now I, looking back, I didn't go to a doctor. Um, and I think I didn't go to a doctor because it was kind of eight or nine months in. And I kind of thought, but surely this happens eight days in. Yeah. And I should be over this by now. Mm-hmm. I've gone through what everyone says is the hard bit. I should be fine. But this time round. I will know what to expect and I will know what to look for and I will not be too proud to put my hand up and say, I need help with this. Yeah. And I, it's, it's, it's very funny because I know like, like that's such a good way to look at it, look at it about the, it's your mind is versus what's actually, what's actually happening in your body because that's, it's our mind that plays tricks on us all of the time. And it's, it's like, with, with Luca, I know for a fact it's it's like a little percentage of the reason why I don't want to stop feeding him is because I'm like, but what if, and what if? And, you know, a couple of months ago, maybe I would say it's probably five months ago at this point. Uh, yeah, well, it's actually a month before lockdown. So, yeah, it was about five months ago. I, I was feeling quite flat and low and I was kind of gone. This is not like... I really don't want to be feeling like this because nobody wants to feel like that. Like, you know, you want to get up and go. And I, I was getting to the point where I was like, no, Lisa, I was getting that panicky feeling about going to a meeting again or being surrounded by people or having to talk in a room full of people or um, people were looking up to me to give advice. And I was going, how can I give advice to you when I can't even think straight today? Like, you know, and so I did go back to therapy a couple of months ago. And again, he just helped me come right back up again. He was like, Lisa, this is your mind. You are always going to be open to anxiety and panic, but just accept it. And the acceptance part is if I'm having a bad day, that is okay. I'm having a bad day today. And let the bad day roll. And whatever I need to do to get through that bad day, 
go with it, do it. And then tomorrow is a brand new day, like you said, where you can go walk to the sunrise or put your hand in the water and feel the water, touch your hand. So something feels bigger than me again, which I like now. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's such, it's a, but it's a constant and I know I'll have to deal with it for the rest of my life without a shadow of a doubt. How have those tools helped you over the last few months when everything came out of our control? Yeah. See, control is something that I really enjoy. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Me too. It's what I rely on. Yeah. So, you know, I think people were kind of the first, I think the first two weeks were the hardest. I think that, that transitionary period of, oh, hold on, we're in a pandemic. Nothing is going to be the same. Hold on a second now. <laughs> Nothing of my normal day was there anymore. And I was going to hold on a minute. Like, how am I going to handle this? Um, Dave, obviously, uh, is all of a sudden now at home working as a teacher. So he's trying to do all of his classes online. Um, constant changing news every day. Uh, we, unfortunately, suffered loss in the last uh, in the last. A couple of weeks as well some of two of Dave's family members and some of my family's good friends you're trying to deal with all of that with a very big shift in work and what work is and what the new norm and work is going to be and we're nowhere near there yet because the hospitality industry is going to be is, is one of the biggest to suffer in this whole thing and I kind of was going, how are we going to get through this? And I, I think I, I, I've always exercised and moved my body and all of that, but I definitely took it up a notch and have taken it up a notch since this whole thing because it helps me with my flow of the day-to-day. -day. So I have sunrise, like I know you love sunrise and sunset too, but is a massive thing. And I kind of wake up every day and walk down to the seafront and say, okay, I'm lucky enough now. I've got everything on my, I can feel the ground underneath my feet. I'm looking at the sun. I'm five minutes away from my healthy family and the health boys are at home and they're healthy. And it was, and it was as well for me, um, because I, I, I work a lot is it was trying to figure out been, been around the boys as well, all of a sudden 24 hours a day, because that's not my norm. And I have such respect for stay at home mums and dads that look after children 24 hours of the day because I'm so used to having two lives or three lives. And that's, I like that. I like me being me in work and I like me being me as a mum. Mm. but those they're equally as important to me. Um, so being around the boys all of a sudden for the first period, that transitionary period was very, very hard. And then I think you just kind of find your new norm and now we're kind of in it and we're kind of going, this is not so bad. And we have made, some of the most incredible memories over the last 12, 13 weeks with the boys that I know I will look back on and go, that's like, I'm, we wouldn't have that time. And it's been like, and with Luca, Dave has got to experience things with Luca that he would never have got to first step, stuff like that. So yeah, look, it's one day at a time and it's still very much so one day at a time and it's the middle of June, but I am confident that we will get there and normal will come around again. How did it feel for you, the, the business owner version of you, yeah. when you could reopen Ethos? So with Ethos, we were very lucky. So there's two elements to the business that I work in. So we have a catering company. Um, that's my family business. Um, and that's 35 years in business now. And in that, in that business, we have um, the equivalent of probably 200 
full-time. So we have 60 full-time and then probably 200 equivalent full-time hours, but are, are, are variable for us. And obviously that's hospitality. So we look mm. after all of the, uh, we look after all of the catering in the RDS, the mansion house, the national concert hall, um, and all like overnight those venues closed their doors and that was it. Um, with Ethos was born from with taste because I've worked in with taste, the catering company since I was 16. Um, and I worked in all of the different departments. And uh, when I was at a certain age and I had gained enough experience and all of that, I kind of started working on what was going to be thus as a project um, with an incredible team because the team and they're absolutely, they're so talented and amazing and understanding and everything that we're all, and they're at a different stage in life to me. So they're much older. So they all have kids. They're all, grown up and everything so from then there's me coming in like I'm pregnant with twins I'm pregnant again <laughs> I won't be here tomorrow I can't do that in the morning <laughs> but they've been so so amazing and uh with ethos came came from uh was born from with taste and um obviously being a high street cafe we we were fortunate enough that we didn't have to close the doors to ethos at all throughout this whole thing so obviously we completely closed shop for any seating and we became overnight became takeaway delivery and collection only um, as well as trying to re-engineer our menu to add in to it so that we weren't you know my dad kept saying it, like and it is very true he said it's going to be if we close the doors um it'll be so much harder to have to open the doors back up again, which is so, so true. While instead, we obviously, our team went from this to nothing, like, but with a very small team, we've managed to keep the doors open in both cafes and hopefully serve a consistent um, cup of coffee or food to the people that needed it at that time. So there was still offices that were working around us. Um, there was... Uh, people were very there's a lot of houses housing and everything around our area so we're really only now in the build up to opening with seats again on the 29th of this month which is daunting in itself because I think um, we're such a face fronting uh, the hospitality industry is so face fronting that people are looking at everything you're doing mm. um, every day and I we don't want to make mistakes although everyone is going to make some mistakes because this is a first for all of us and none of us have been in this pandemic before but it's definitely scary um, trying to train, retrain, brief, put new systems, procedures in place, things that I never thought that we would ever have to think about now have to have an SOP that's on the wall that people are signing, filling in. It's just, it's scary, but it is the way forward. And, you know, in the last few weeks, I'm trying to put all these documents together and you're kind of going, I can feel like the anxiety building in my throat, but then I kind of have to say to myself, Lisa, nobody is an expert in this. So it's okay and if we make some mistakes we will learn we will and we will fix it as quick as we know you know so it's it's been a it has the last few weeks in business definitely have been have been a big and and as well our team i miss our team our team are incredible in both with taste and ethos um and to go from the guts of 200 people and we're now working with a team of 15 is like we're all doing everything so we're all doing front of house, back of house, office work, porter, um, 
wash it up. I went back into the kitchen for six or eight weeks to do the patisserie because thank God I studied in college. So at least I could give another, you know, get a, give a bit of help, but we're all just doing everything. And we're trying to pull together, but you do have to dig deep some days to get your head out of the gutter of what is going on because this is, this is certainly, I think will be one of the most, none of us saw this coming. It's an extremely challenging time for every business, but I know the hospitality industry is, is going to suffer very, very badly because of it. So yeah, one day at a time is what I say. <laughs> at the very beginning of this, you referenced yeah. food as fuel. Yes. And how important it was to be putting, not diets, but yeah. good, good things into yes. your body. Yeah. Um, I've known Ethos long before I, I knew you. Like, yeah. And that was the first takeout I got as in you know walking in looking at those fresh glorious salads that just look phenomenal um and even on the patisserie you just feel like yeah it's a treat but you know what it looks so beautiful it must be good for me (laughs) (laughs) it's and the the you know that's what you've built in the brand I, I see that you've done that you've built something really special around food for fuel is is that was that am I right in saying that, that was at the essence of it yeah 100 percent. so like at all of it kind of uh, the first thing that we spoke about today being the health balance mm. that's kind of ethos is what that is mm. uh, because it was about having something for everybody so if you wanted to go in and feel good after you ate you could get a protein and some salads and feel light and feel good about what you've eaten. If you wanted to go in and have chorizo scramble, that's, that's what you wanted. Then that's there for you too. If you wanted to go in and just have something, a treat yourself, then you can always also go in because your, your self-care might be today I'm going to treat myself and give me. So that gives, if there's four people sitting around the table, I was hoping that it was going to hit all four as people list of the self-care for that day or whatever it was going to be and serve a good cup of coffee some lovely teas fresh food that's wholesome made on the day for the day and that's what we do and again it's trying to give that you know the that every customer that comes in that we'll come back again yeah it's it's the the whole health the balance that's exactly what it is especially because when I had my ulcer and I cut so many foods out for a period of time I at that time I couldn't find any restaurants in Dublin that I felt sick all of the time after I ate out places because they used richer ingredients or you know cream and butter at the time it just wasn't suiting my stomach and so I was like I I want to be able to create something that is healthy fresh wholesome high quality ingredients that are put together that make people feel really good about themselves no matter what it is so whether that is your chocolate tart or your oat tray bake or like i said the chorizo scramble or avocado smash or whatever it is my favorite (laughs) it's my favorite too (laughs) that's why it's never come off the menu it's been on since day one and i think we'd be i think we would be in the gutter if we took that off the menu so many people would kill us I saw a post recently where you said when this is all over everyone is is coming round for food <laughs> I'm holding you to that to begin no with problem. But, um, <laughs> what does making food for people mean to you so for me it's actually it, my drive comes from people the drive that I do every I love people I love I love being around people I love making people happy 
whether that's through food or through an experience or through whatever it is, I love making people happy and making food is definitely one of those things because food tends to make people very happy. And I love nothing more. I've, I've, I've like for years and years, I'd go up on Sundays. If there was just six of us or four of us, I would just, I would spend the day just prepping salads and every different type of nut and doing all different things with and just putting it together but I do love simple food so I don't overcomplicate anything I really love simplistic like I think if you're using good ingredients and fresh ingredients then you don't need to be doing a lot to your food for it but that's just my take because I, I don't like things that take a long time because my patience for that just isn't there <laughs> I have a lot of other things that I could be using my time on but that definitely it cooking for people, having people over, entertaining. I love entertaining. And I love nothing more than when I have like the boy's birthday or um, like it's the boy's birthday this Friday and we're literally just having both sets of grandparents over on Saturday and I'm already giddy. Like just because I, I love like, oh, and what do they all love to drink and have the little like stations. And I love just, I just, I love nothing more. It makes me giddy. Dave thinks I am mad in the head but that's kind of it that's what does it for me and that, that's what carries through in business then for me because when I meet people and clients for events and I'm sitting there or in ethos and they come in and we've done some weddings and they taste the food and I'm, and I'm like chatting away about it and I get so excited I know that they feel comfortable and confident walking away from that meeting with me that they're like no she she understands where our vision is or where and that makes me happy then and then that's kind of okay that's I know I've done a good job that day and that's kind of what gets me through then for the next day. But yeah. So yes, everyone is welcome and you can be first. <laughs> <laughs> I will do avocado smash. Oh, can't wait. <laughs> and I'm only up the road, so it's all good. <laughs> Lisa, I can't thank you enough for joining us today, given how I know how busy your days, weeks and hours are. Um, I can't wait. I haven't been properly in town. The moment I am, I cannot wait to walk in to your cafes again and enjoy just, they're just so beautiful as well. They're just so visually beautiful and I always just feel so well and healthy afterwards. And um, thank you for sharing, I suppose, your healthy balance and your version of healthy balance and in a way that isn't so prescriptive, in a way that allows everybody to find their own version of their own healthy balance and to fill their cups up with whatever it is that they need that day. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Sinead. Thank you so much for listening. We hope this episode has supported you. We'd love you to rate and leave a review. Share this episode across social. Get in touch with this week's wonderful guest at The Health Balance on Instagram and subscribe to join us next week for more. Water wipes are an essential for every mum from that first nappy change to those messy weaning months. As creators of the world's purest baby wipes, water wipes are purer than cotton wool and water and are proud sponsors of Every Mum, the podcast.